Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag podcast presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 58. Hey Kristen, how you doing? Good, good, Nicole. So glad to be here again. I know we're in part two of our of our series here. Just want to remind everyone that um, that, that everything we talk about is for information and hopefully encouragement. It does not constitute um, official advice or take the place of advice from your doctor or your therapist. So just, um, we're so glad you're listening in and we hope this is helpful today. Yeah. So on this episode, we are teaching you how to spot an individual who is a sexual predator or a groomer. So as we mentioned on the last episode, a sexual predator is someone who employs predatory or abusive methods of obtaining sexual contact with another person. The definition of a groomer is someone who builds a relationship, trust, and emotional connection with a child or young person so they can manipulate, exploit, and abuse them. So last month, we talked specifically about about some red flag offenses that people who sexually abuse have in common. So for example, we talked about them being people who often blame shift when they're confronted. They may say things like, well, I couldn't help myself. Look at what she was wearing. Or they may say something like, I've touched her before. Why wasn't it okay that we did that? Right. So to understand more about what we're talking about specifically, please go back and listen to episode 57 if you haven't, and then come back and listen to this one, because I think it will make a lot more sense. So we also talked about on that first part of our two-part episode um, of the five warning signs to look out for. We gave you the first one. So that first one is that these people will often take jobs or positions where children are. So why do they do that? They're, they're, they have a goal and it is to gain trust and access with the child when the parent is, is away, when the parent is not around. So before we go into those next four warning signs, I think it's really important that we stop here and talk about why it is such a crucial role for a parent to play this, their role, their, you know, to be who they are in the child's life and why, and, you know, this seems so obvious, a predator or a groomer would want to isolate the child away from that parent, right? So I hope I'm not being too harsh when I say this, but there's no other way around it. I just have to be very direct. And the reality is, is that when you are a parent, you do not co-parent with anyone else, right? You do not co-parent with schools, with the government, with um, your librarian, with at, at your child's school. You don't co- uh, co-parent with your coach, with your uh, with your tennis coach or your dive coach, your kid's dive coach. You and you alone are your child's responsibility. 
And so even if you are married, it is you and your husband or your husband and you or your partner, whoever, it's your responsibilities to take care of your child. And so the more intentional you are with your child, the safer your child will be. I mean, you've heard this statistic, I'm sure if you haven't heard it on here, you probably have heard it in other places, which is 95% of sexual abuse is preventable through education. Why is that? It's because the more you are educated as a parent, the safer your child is because you are aware of red flag offenses. You are being proactive and making sure that your child is educated and you're probably implementing different things in your life to make sure that you're having open, honest dialogue. So that's all we're saying. When we say you need to be more intentional with your children, what we're saying is maybe start off with having that body safety conversation right away. And if you haven't done it, now's the time to do it. A great place to start is the anatomically correct name for body parts. Another really great place to start is talking about the difference between males and females. You know, society wants to teach us right now that that is a fluid thing, that girls can be boys and boys can be girls. And no, that's not truth. The truth is, is what biblical truth is. And that is that God made male and, and female. So yes, he did make two different genders. Okay. And if we stick with that specific thing that God is, that God says in his word, we will be okay because we didn't create, <laughs> we didn't create that. That is something that God gave us. And to take it a step further, we also just want to affirm our children that the way they were created, if they were created with brown hair, blonde hair, dark skin, pale skin, green eyes, brown eyes, whatever, that they were made in the image of God. And it's beautiful and it was purposeful and it's valuable. And honestly, they're a masterpiece just as they are right? Even if they have a disability or if they maybe have some something that's holding them back or is not normal, whatever society says is normal. I'm not normal and that's okay, right? So we just want to make sure that we are encouraging that early and often. And the other thing we want to talk about is you have to become your child's best friend. And I know uh, when I was growing up, my dad used to always say to me, I'm not your best friend, I'm your parent. And I understand that mindset and I understand that language. And basically what my dad was trying to say to me is I am the rule setter and I'm the boundary creator here. So you need to respect me and I'm not your friend. Like I'm not like, we're not going to go drink beers together, smoke cigarettes together. I'm not going to condone bad behavior, but I am going to be the person who's going to say no to you. And that's, Awesome. I love and respect my parents for that, right? They did set that boundary and that was an awesome boundary. But there was another thing that I wish that I had more often in my home. And that is open and honest dialogue, like nothing is off the table. And although that ended up becoming the norm in my home as I got older, because I already had gotten into bad situations. I had already made some poor choices that now my parents had to talk to me about some things. But if they had done that early 
on earlier on, it would have been a very natural way of life that we just talk about these things. And so like simple things like periods are not off the table or kissing girls and boys is not off the table, even if it makes you uncomfortable, right? It's an, an, And even if it's like even growing bodies, like I remember when I started to get breasts, I was like, I don't want to talk about this with my family. And the reality is, it's, is if, if we're not talking about it, predatory type people are noticing it and we need to make sure that we're talking about it so that the child doesn't feel a sense of shame attached to what's happening and changing with their body. Because a predator, a predatory type person or a groomer is going to maybe use that as their way of, um, you know, talking to your child or, you know, or beginning the yeah. grooming process with your child. So I think, and I really think the heart of what you're saying there is in regards to the best friend thing, like it becoming your child's best friend is being that safe person for them that they know that they can bring any topic up to you. And that you're okay talking with them about it. And you're going to, you know, and parents, I know this is hard, but you're going to, as best as possible, stay calm and be receptive and safe for your child to bring up anything. Because that's so, so key. And again, just it's a, it's a very protective thing for your child. Again, knowing that they can like, I can bring anything my mom and dad. Yes, there may be some consequences of, of some of the choices I'm making and so forth, but I'm always loved. I'm always safe. And I think our kids need to know that. Yeah. One of the things that we all, I always tell parents is that like, cause I, cause we get this question all the time, which is, um, how do I communicate to my child that I'm a safe place, but if they come to me and tell me that like their coach is sexually abusing them or hurting them, you know, I have to act. And the truth is, is that what you have to help them understand is that you are a safe place and you will be continuously, even if they do communicate that, but that wrong has to be uh, like held accountable addressed, addressed. yeah and addressed. so yeah that doesn't mean they're bad is the is the main thing that you as a parent want to affirm and the way that you do it is just in small things like you know let's say your kid uh is playing outside and they come running over and say you know billy um stole like something from me or whatever you want to affirm that like praise that like oh my gosh wow Thank you for being so honest and, and being, and you know, it is tattletaling, but the truth is, is that what you're doing is you're, you're, you're putting seeds into their heart of like, Hey, when, when wrong is being done, come speak up, you know, like we, I have this, we have a children's book called shout out, get out, speak out. And it's one of the things that we teach. You don't necessarily have to teach them to scream in the child's face when wrong is being done, but they need to be aware that when wrong is being done, you are a safe place. That does not mean they're bad because they've called out something wrong. I'm telling you, it's a weird thing, but your child will know to talk to you, even if you have to pull like maybe they won't know, but I'm saying they'll feel comfortable to talk to you, even if it is uncomfortable, because you've set up for so long when you do it young, 
Um, and even if you don't do it young, right? Like even if you pivot now and you just start making it comfortable for them to talk about various things that are going on in their life. So sometimes in the car is a great time to be just listening, just at the dinner table. You know, that's another thing that we say to parents all the time is the dinner table is not the time for TV to be on and not the time for cell phones to be on. So just put those away and just start having those conversations of like, hey, how was your day? Tell me about and ask, you know, not open end. I mean, ask open ended questions, not like yes, no type things to get them talking. Yeah. And so does this mean that your child is 100% guaranteed to not be groomed or, or predator, like, you know, a predator coming after them? No, it's not, but it will set your child up to be safer. As in, if you have this open conversation with them all the time and you start asking questions and then all of a sudden you're hearing them tell you a story about something that you are like, whoa, that's a major red flag. Like, who's this person trying to tell you to, to keep a secret from me? Or who's this teacher who's texting you, right? So that will get you invested quicker and you will be able to investigate further and or address it quicker and or right away. Right. And so that's the goal. All right. So now we're shifting into these other four red flags. Um, and we're going to go through them sort of fast because they're, you know, pretty simple and straightforward. Um, but the first one is creating an emotional dependency. So a predator is going to want to um, emotionally manipulate its chosen victim. It's going to develop a sense of intimacy and dependency with that child or that young person. They want to start the relationship off by being very supportive. Predators and groomers might give gifts. They may praise the individual or call and text often. And so like we were saying, you know, as a parent, you've got an older adult calling, giving gifts, giving praises, sending emails, text messages, whatever it is. You know, it's nice to send encouraging text messages, but why is an adult even have your cell phone number, right? So again, we talked about this, I think on the last episode, but if we didn't, um, there should be no text messages between your child and a adult, a teacher, counselor, whomever. They're always a group. That's how you keep your child safe, right? And so all of a sudden, if your kid's coming home with a gift from a guy next door, Why? So you might want to go over and talk to that guy and say, hey, why are you giving my kid gifts? And I'm telling you, it's those small little quick responses to these types of things. That person, predator or groomer, is not going to continue moving forward with your child because it's you're too invested. You're too involved. You're a pain in the butt. Really, that's really what it boils down yeah. to. You know, and I want to say too, real quickly, it just... Um... I think it's really important that people are reminded to Nicole, like how many stories you have heard. Like this is not coming from nowhere. These aren't just thoughts. You know, this is, you know, you being right. The, the um, executive director of trees of hope. I mean, you have had the opportunity and the privilege really, right. Of hearing so many stories of people who have, um, who have been through situations like this. So I just kind of want to acknowledge that, you know, yeah, and and it's like heartbreaking too, because sometimes like I'm so strong in my, in my, um, 
verbiage and the way that I say things. And it's because it's coming from, like you're saying, I have, we've done prevention where we've done, let's say a hundred prevention workshops, every single prevention workshop we do, we have at least, at least 15 people, parents coming to talk to us saying their story. And it's always a story where I I'm like, okay, start me from the beginning. Did you guys, you know, do this? And because I just want to know, I just want to understand. Cause, cause I'm like, wait, you know, maybe this doesn't work. Maybe this prevention material doesn't work. And it's always goes back to the same thing. The parent was not as invested as they could have been in recognizing it now and, or they were invested, but when they were too friendly with their child and cared too much about what the child said. So when the parent sorry, when the child came home with the 18 year old boyfriend and they were 14, or even a 17 year old boyfriend, whatever. And the, the, I said, did you meet the kid? And they were like, no, we didn't meet him until after she moved out. And it's like, okay, that, I mean, my dad would have been, my dad would have said that boy needs to be at this house tomorrow. And if he's a minute late, you are never seeing him again. We're changing your cell phone number or whatever, or we're moving. Like my dad would even probably like, get, go to the extreme of like, we're, we're moving. I cannot tell you how many people my dad has literally knocked on their door and threatened them and told them, if you ever step on my property again, trying to come get my daughter, I will personally end your life. So I'm just saying Mm -hmm. that it's important that we recognize that as parents, sometimes you're going to have to do a very uncomfortable thing here and be the parent for the child. Because they cannot be the, they can't be at all. Yeah. Yep. And that frontal lobe, which is the part of the brain that has the wisdom, you know, discernment, emotional regulation is not fully developed in children yet. So they need us to have the wisdom and discernment and all those things to step in. It's not something that should be defaulted to kids because they don't have the capacity for it. No. They don't have the capacity to even do that yet. And so... Um, and this is, has nothing to do with intelligence. This no. is just age and brain development. So it's nothing to do with intelligence. It's not an, an intelligence issue. So, so, no. so anyways, yeah, I just, just glad, uh, just to acknowledge that Nicole, like all of, all of what you heard, because this is just more important to continue this conversation. Yeah. And one of the things like, you know, my child is like one, he's, uh, sorry, he's like 15 months. Okay. So I still. To this day, I, every time I see him overreact out of fear of something, I love just looking at him and going, I am, boy, you got nothing to worry about. I got your back. I got you. You do not have to be afraid. I got you so hardcore. I will protect your little mind because you know why? I think it's so important that little kids can be little kids. You need to be 15 months old. You do not need to be worrying about anything, you know, dangers in our yard or whatever. I got that. Like, let me carry that load. And so that's the importance of being a parent of like saying, you know, I got to carry this for my kid. Amen. Okay. So this creating that emotional dependency, uh, going back to that, this person is also 
um, you know, the, the, re- the reason why they do what they do is they're trying to give the victim or the person they have their eyes on the impression that a special connection exists between them. And so in the victim's eyes, they may feel like the, the predator or the groomer is the only one who knows, right? They're the only one who values them. They're the only one who cares. Um, and so like, that person cares more than mommy and daddy. Right. And again, that's why I go back to what I was saying is it's so important that that child understands that nobody will ever love you the way that your parents love you. Okay. And I don't care what they tell you. I will, nobody will ever love my sons as much as I love them different. And you know, obviously a lover will one day love them the way that they're bent, meant to love in a different way, but a predator will not exploit that because they are going to be taught as soon as they can understand that, you know, I um, value you. I care for you. Mommy and daddy know you and we want to keep knowing you and who you are and who you're evolving to be. Right. So don't let these people hijack that from you, that that love or that that because to them, it's counterfeit to you. It's genuine. Uh, um, So the next thing is uh, or the next red flag is using manipulative behavior and language. So often the predator will insult or ridicule their victims, behavior, style, attire, and other aspects, uh, other aspects of their lives. Upon being confronted about their conduct, they may say things like, or they may embellish or falsify their information. They may lead the victim to believe they are at fault. Like this is kind of what we call gaslighting. Um, And it's often very common for a predator to emphasize their own feelings as a part of the attempt to make the victim feel guilty, right? So um, this is, I mean, this is like, as I'm saying this, I'm like, this is the definition of gaslighting. So this is what gaslighting looks like. And I know that's like a very uh, trending word nowadays, but just remember that, you know, gaslighting we want to we want to make sure that we're using it appropriately and and taking it seriously in this context. So it's an it's an emotional abuse. Um, and what it does is it causes the person to question the memory, judgment and views that they hold. So gaslighting may make the victim doubt their memories or their perception um, by pushing them to accept that the abuser's interpretation of the events is what really happened. So what this an example of this could be is like your child was sexually abused by their coach. And so the coach, when confronted, maybe if you go back and you, you know, say that your son, your son is telling my son is telling me that you touched my son inappropriately. I didn't touch him inappropriately. I mean, I see him touching kids all the time. So he should be very familiar with touching kids. Um, You know, the way that I touched him was just like the way, right? So it's basically pushing back. It's blame shifting. And it's it's making the child almost question their own like behaviors and the way that they are. Like as if like maybe their predator is what the predator is wanting them to believe. Like they've touched kids, right? Like what's wrong with the yeah. way that the, there's nothing different the way that I touch the way that they touch. Right. Meanwhile, your kid is just an innocent little guy hanging out with his, his, um, 
his uh, teammates and may touch them like as in a hug or like fist pump or an elbow bump or may even smack their butt. I don't know. Cause you know, guys do weird things like that. Um, and now the coach is trying to make them feel like, okay, but you could be a predator too. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's, and that's disturbing <laughs> to say the least. It's very, we're talking about an adult, right? Because yeah, exactly. Because a healthy adult would um, not try to discredit a child, not put themselves in the same level, the whole thing. Like there's something very disturbing about the idea of of doing that Mm -hmm. Um, and, and acting as if we're talking about a fellow adult. Like it was interesting that example you gave, right? It's almost like they're talking about like their next door neighbor, like Larry or something, meaning a fellow adult instead of a child, you know? So yeah. Right. And that's the key to all of this is that when you start to see somebody doing something that is like, wait, this is manipulative. Hold on. You're a coach. Like, wait a minute. You're like the proper response from an adult when being questioned about how they're behaving around a child should be very quickly of remorse I'm sorry. And oh my gosh, pure embarrassment, honestly. Concern. Concern. And and really accountability. And what they should be responding back with is something along the lines of like, like just for the coach's example, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I now can see that how my um, behavior could be very miscommunicated. I am so very sorry. Here's what I'd like to do. Moving forward, I want to make sure that, you know, I have two people with me or like, you know, uh, the assistant coach, I want to make sure that he's always with me and that we're reporting back to you anything that you need, you know, we'll do a daily report or something. I mean, when they go overboard, it's like, okay, that's also a red flag, but being somebody who's quick to take accountability, quick to take responsibility, quick to apologize, humble, um, and doesn't defend themselves or protect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, in all of this, as we continue talking about these things uh, too, I think it's so important to remember, like, like I can't encourage enough, right. Coming, especially from a therapist, like parents, please, please, please listen to your gut instinct, to your own sense of like something about this is really doesn't feel right. This person, I'm even uncomfortable around this person. Please don't ignore that um, those, um, what you may be picking up or feeling, even though intellectually on paper, everything looks seemingly fine. If your child is telling you something, or let's say your child hasn't even told you something, but something feels strange within you around that that other adult. Please do not ignore that. And I think we spoke about that a little bit last time too. But um, you know, if you have actually experienced sexual abuse in your past, um, sometimes too, if that is something that you maybe haven't looked at yet, or you haven't gone through the process of healing, sometimes your radar can be a little bit off for that. And you can, there's uh, um, sometimes even like an automatic, like pushing it down, denying that you're feeling that discomfort. So anything you kind of sense there, I think we would definitely encourage you to take a look at that. Talk to someone that you trust, um, talk with a therapist, a trusted person, um, just to kind of get an idea of like something's going on for me. I don't know. I don't know what this is. 
or my right. child, right? Yeah, exactly. Get some, get some help if it feels like you can't think clearly about it too. Yeah, and the reality is, is that most of the time, these people are going to be up upright citizens in the community. They're going to be respected people. They're going to be somebody who is maybe, you know, in a, like in a leadership position, they may be a pastor. Unfortunately, they may be a youth leader. They may be a camp counselor, right? So don't let their position override your gut telling you, because that's another thing that I get all the time is literally in tears, broken down parents standing before me saying he was our camp leader. Like, Oh my God. And I trusted him. Well, yeah, no duh. Cause he wanted you to trust him so that you did feel safe letting your child go to camp. But then the red flag started shooting up when he started coming into the camp room, uh, alone when, when it was strictly in the policies that camp counselors should never be in alone in camp campers rooms. Right. So he would use little tactics of, Oh, this child really needs me. Like he's going through a lot of stuff going back to manipulative behavior. So a lot of the people at this camp, like the main leaders at the camp, they never, they were like, Oh, he's being a good citizen. Like, Oh, he's being like a real godly guy. No, there's a policy in place for, you to follow no matter what the situation is it's for the worst situations and the best of situations if you can't follow it then something is wrong yeah period yeah um okay so the next point which is point number three of red flags that we need to be looking out for is pushing physical and sexual boundaries so sexual predators or groomers may overstep acceptable boundaries, right? And they, not may, I don't even know why I have may. They overstep acceptable boundaries. That's how it happens. Initially, this may come off as harmless, you know, like a touch on the back, a hand or the leg, but it always progresses to something unwelcome, some sort of unwelcome contact, unwanted sexual advantage, advances um such as touching or fondling without consent near near the genitals or breasts sometimes even when a predator has already developed a relationship with a victim they may violate or predetermined boundary um, or ignore the victim's wishes and in some cases they manipulate and can coerce the victim into doing something they don't want to do right again using that relationship that this person has with them to manipulate or to, um, just like I said, like move that boundary past this person's comfortable limit. Right. And so when you've built a relationship with somebody, I know it happens to me all the time. Like I've got girlfriends who sometimes show up late to different things. I don't know if you guys know this, but that's pushing a boundary, right? Your boundary is like, Hey, show up on time. Um, when we hang out, I'd really like, that would make me feel respected. So if this person continuously does it and you don't address it, they're pushing your boundary. So going back to this, when, when this happens to a child, you know, 
it's very hard for a child to speak up or even a young adult, a teenager. I can't expect my little guys to go to a coach who a person of authority in their life to say to them, like, you're pushing my boundary. No. So that's why we as parents have to step in. And if your child has said something to you, like, like, Hey, like, um, coach, uh, Jay, you know, he, the way he touched my hair today made me feel uncomfortable. Like be that mom or be that dad. Who's like, Oh, hell no. Coach Jay, you touch my kid like that. Like what is going, I mean, you don't obviously don't want to like come in and like, be like, why are you touching my kid? But you come in and be like, coach Jay, my, I, I saw the way you were touching my son or whatever. And I, I didn't like it. Um, and ma- it made my son feel uncomfortable. Please don't touch him like that again. And then if he does that manipulative gaslighting thing, then we've got a problem. But let's say he goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I will never do that again. I apologize. Then, you know, okay, there was a warning shot. Boom. Now like correct your behavior. And if it's not corrected next time, you're going to escalate it, take it further. Yeah. So, um, you know, as a, as a predator or a groomer's initial approach, they typically try to introduce and normalize sexual ideas to children. They will discuss sexual activity to a child. You know, they do this often by talking about, um, their own sexual activities that they are engaged in. No adult should be talking about sexual material with children, period. I don't care, you know, what you think it does. It does not protect them. And schools right now are trying to push that they should be the ones to have these very, very sexualized conversations with children, which oftentimes it's very pornographic. And no, sir or ma'am, you should not. Because what that does is it will basically introduce a child to something that their little hearts cannot comprehend and their little innocent minds cannot comprehend. So we need to be very, very careful. And we want to make sure that parents are having those conversations at the appropriate age level and, and material for their children. So if I have a kindergartner, they should not be seeing, you know, oral sex, right? No. Even if it's in a cartoon. Okay, so the next one, so the last one of our five red flags is jealous and controlling behavior. So many times sexual predators will display jealousy or possessiveness or unreasonable behaviors directed towards friends, family, and other romantic partners. They may closely monitor the victim's social media accounts, private life, and daily activities. And in some cases, predators uh, may appear to lack social connections. But I have to say, it's not just um appearing that way although i you know i wrote it that way they are lacking social connections <laughs> which is why they are gravitating towards children and most of the times they don't have friends or people in their life because they've pushed them away because if these people really were like invested in a community or had like really good friends around them. These people would probably be like, yo, dude, you shouldn't be hanging out with this little kid or like, Hey man, that's a little weird that you're like obsessed with this child, you know, 
and and also I want to add these people will tend to also use these types of red flags on their own family and friends. So it's not just like, oh, to, for a victim, they're practicing it daily with other people, like a lot of times with adults too. So, and, and a lot of times they really disregard social boundaries. Um, and I, I've met people like this where I'm like, whoa, like this person does not read the room whatsoever. They are totally like, whoa, does that mean that they are an abuser, predator, like, uh, you know, groomer? No. But what it does mean is like, I want to distance myself from them uh, as much as possible. I want to limit my time in around them and absolutely limit my children's time around them just cause it's like, you know, just not a healthy relation, you know, person to be around. Um, all right. So this is like the point in the, the time period inside this relationship that they're trying to build with a child or a young person where the, especially groomers do this, um, where they're become very controlling. And now this is going to interfere with a victim's relationship with others, especially anyone who they feel threatened by. And so parents, you know, we're closing with this. That's you. <laughs> so they're going to make you the enemy. And I remember a time period in my life, like as I was writing this, gosh, so many times I was like, whoa, I remember this guy, this guy uh, basically did all these things to me. And I, I dated him and, but I was a kid. I was, uh, you know, I was uh, 16 years old. And, uh, at the end of the relationship, he started to try to control me and make my parents the enemy. And how he did that was he talked very poorly about like anything my mom did or anything my dad did, he would point it out and be like, God, oh my, you know, the rest of the world's parents aren't doing that. Like your dad is psycho, man. Like, how do you deal with like a dad like that? Like you need more of like a chill dad. So who became my, my biggest enemy, my dad. But thank God my dad was the kind of man that he was, which was, I don't give a crap who you are or who you're trying to be in my daughter's life. I am my daughter's number one. And still to this day, my dad is, he's number two now that I'm married, but he is my guy. He's my go-to, you know, when my husband's not available. And I remember a time where I ran away from home and I was, I was in like a drug house and um, I was, I told my parents, I was like, I'm moving out. I'm not coming back. You guys are freaking psychos, like kind of thing. And my dad was like, very gently hung up the phone. And within an hour, my dad came to the house literally when you see those movies of like FBI agents, like busting down doors, my dad kicked that door. I mean, the door flew so far off the hinges across the house. I was shaking in my pants. I was like, I'm over here, like, like chugging a beard eating Xanax, like, like woo, living my best life. My dad's like, no, you're not. And honestly, I'm so God. thankful that he did that because God. I wouldn't be where I am today. I would probably be in some horrible situation. I literally was in a crack house. Like I should not have been there. But my point is, is that my dad was my protector when I couldn't be my own protector. And when yeah, people were for you, Exactly. And they were trying to tell me my dad was not the good guy. My dad was the bad guy. My dad consistently 
showed up and protected and protected and protected. And so I implore and encourage you guys, if you are a parent, figure out your vulnerabilities, figure out areas where you've got a problem or a blind spot or a situation where, you know, like you're vulnerable, right? So if you have to bring your kid to daycare, there's a vulnerability there. I'm not saying anything's wrong with bringing your kid to daycare. Just be aware that there's a vulnerability there. If you have to drop your kid off at church, you know, on Sundays, there's a vulnerability there. Your eyes aren't on them. So it's when these vulnerabilities are in place, it's what do you do to limit them? And we've talked about, you know, some of these things. It's it's making sure open and honest conversations. It's having nothing is off the table, watching your face when you're talking, it's making sure you're, you know, using the proper names for body parts and, and, and no shame attached to them as bodies are growing and changing. It's, and making sure that your child knows that they are made in God's image and they are beautifully and wonderfully made. They are a masterpiece just as they are. They should not regret any part of their body, nothing, right? Not the color of their skin, not their hair color, not their eyes. Um, really quick, this last thing is when I was, became a foster parent, one of the things was, is, you know, they talk about how do you build a bond with a child who's not yours? And so what I did was every day I gave my son a massage. Um, and I, I'm sorry, it's making me cry because (laughs) I just remember those moments being so special for me and him to connect and bond because I basically spoke words of just life over him. And I was just saying like, you were going to use these legs one day to protect people. And I would massage his legs and I would massage his toes and I would kiss them. And I would say, you're going to run after um, justice and you're going to be a man of courage. And I would, I would go over his heart with, you know, and I would shape his heart and in the shape of a heart. And I would say, you're going to be a bold man. You're going to be a courageous man. You're going to be a good man. And I would look him in the eyes and I would say these things. And what's very funny is that, um, when he did, you know, every foster child has to do this, like, kind of like inspection where they basically just see, you know, are they healthy? Are they doing okay? Or whatever. And they were like, what are you doing with this child? Because he is so bonded with you. And not only that, but he is so mature for his age. And I just shared, I said, this is some of the things that I'm doing. And they were like, they were blown away. And it's just such a simple thing. It's basically being loving and being a mom. But I share that because mm. I, it was so important for me, for for me and him to build this, um, this where he knows I'm your girl, like no matter what's yeah. going on in your life, like I'm your girl and I'm going to speak words of life over you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. And you may not have a kid who's an infant, right? You may have an older son or an older daughter. No time is too late to step in and start doing that with them. Yes, we all wish we had little infants where we could create them, like, you know, mold and shape them. But if you don't, it's okay. And now's the time because nobody should step in to the role that you are in your child's life. You hold such an amazing, amazing, instrumental role in their life. And I'm the woman that I am today because of my father 
because of the investment of my father and my family. So I just say that because at the time when it was happening, I hated every second of it. But now looking back, I'm so grateful for it. So that's, you know, what I I personally want to leave you with, Kristen. Do you like to add anything? No, Nicole, it's just so beautiful. It's so true. And it's, um, and then just the more and more we can strengthen that connection, that bond. And, um, and it's okay to also tell your kids, especially if they're older, that like it, then that didn't happen. Like we've already kind of acknowledged, um, that like, I, I, I want to try to do this for you now. I'm so sorry for the, the times where I didn't say this or that, like it's, it's really never too late to, um, to step in and, and speak truth and goodness over them. Yeah. So one thing I read in a book, um, was that I, cause I loved it so much when I saw it and I was shocked that it said it. And it was basically like, Hey, as a parent, you are going to make mistakes. And when you do go to your child and just call it out and say like, Hey, um, actually I don't know. (laughs) I wish I did know. Or like, Hey, um, I said that the other day. And when, when I said that I felt really bad after, and I walked away and I was thinking that was really dumb. So I'm sorry, because that in itself is teaching your child. My parents don't have it all together, which is okay. It's your, you're genuine and that's cool. Trust me. You're going to be m- more loved and appreciated for that genuineness. Um, and also it like, it's just real. It's real life that you don't have it all together. And maybe when you don't know something, you're honest about that. Or when you fail, you're honest about that too. That will build a very deep relationship. They were saying something about like almost 75% of relationships when they have that with kids to parents, when they have that um, transparency like that, um, what happens is, is the child like automatically feels a sense of safety with their, with their parent. It's because a lot of times people think it's the opposite. Like, Oh, well then they're not going to, they're not going to have faith in me. And it's like, no, it's okay. And that's okay. Because they're, you're just human. You're acknowledging you're human right along with them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really hope that this was helpful. I mean, I personally learned a lot and I've been teaching this stuff forever. It's really funny as I'm hearing this stuff, I'm like, Oh, I've, you know, like even some adults in your life where you're like, Oh, that, that person's doing that. And that they really shouldn't like, you know, kind of thing, or like, you know, thinking back on people in your past and you're like, Whoa, that person was a predator. Like, I'm sorry, the way I'm saying predator, 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 it just feels weird saying it like that. Um, they have predatory type behaviors or, um, so I hope this was really um, informational for you. Please, please, please. If you want to learn more about this type of prevention content, we have so many awesome resources on our website. Please go to our website at treesofhope.org forward slash store. We've got a bunch there. Um, in particular, for parents or caregivers or someone like even myself, a foster parent, uh, we have the what's called the Rise Magazine, and it is filled pages upon pages. I think it's 48 or 56 pages of nonstop anything you can think of prevention material for how to keep your children safe and to be aware of. We even give like real life examples 
of people who, you know, were, were charged with sexual battery or assault and had multiple people underneath, like in, you know, multiple people were affected by them. And so, and how they got there and what things they did. And it's really helpful. Um, also, if you're a parent and you have a kid between the ages of four to seven, we have our children's book, which is shout out, get out, speak out, teaching children, their body safety superpowers. One of my favorite books, book series, it's actually a series. And then we also have teen uh, prevention guides for teenagers um and also for parents it's called royal for girls and saint for boys so please check those out we spent a lot of heart and soul and um time on those resources and we really want you to have them all right well thank you again for being with us and we will see you next time on episode 59 bye 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 thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.